I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Connecting the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall. Rise and shine, liberty loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here, K R I S A N N E H A L L dot com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show. I have with me my husband and co host, JC Hall. Welcome to the show, JC. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I caught him just as he lifted his Gatorade to his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> well, um, <sighs> Just so everybody knows, this show we are recording on Friday. Uh, we are doing traveling. Remember, we are going to South Dakota this weekend and to Washington, D.C. on Monday. Wow, with the Kavanaugh thing, that might be pretty exciting to be in D.C. on Monday. Yeah. Cloture, cloture, according to Jamie Dupree, the cloture vote will take place Monday, which cloture is basically shut down is a vote to stop all debate and proceed, you know, with the vote. So, so cloture, the cloture vote Monday, uh, turns the light off. And then, so they come back Tuesday and the Senate takes the final vote. So Kavanaugh, uh, should be on the court by Wednesday. Should be on the court by Wednesday. You know, the Dems and their, their, uh, display yesterday, uh, pretty much, solidified that fact, I think. Um, and <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. So here's the thing. Uh, this is Friday. We are going to be seeing the vote before the, the Judicial Committee at 1.30 p.m. today. Yeah. We will actually be at the airport yeah, that's at 1.30 p.m. today. Yeah, but so those are all the guys, those are... All the uh, senators, I start to say clowns. Those are all the <laughs> senators that you don't insult clowns like that. We got no, in man, trouble for being at, with circus people the oh, other day right. and insulting, insulting clowns. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, the committee votes Friday, Saturday. Uh, the Senate, the Senate will vote. So the Senate will motion basically. Mm-hmm. So that's all. It's parliamentary garbage. So Senate will motion on Friday to proceed, Saturday to proceed, and then they'll file for cloture, right? File to end the debate. Uh-huh. On uh, Monday. No, on Saturday they'll file. Oh, so, oh sorry. So they file. the <laughs> right. Because you see, nobody's actually going to be in the office on Saturday. Some aide is going to hit send and yeah, electronically yeah, yeah. file this. Sure. And so then what happens is that right. uh, you have... 
They'll come back Monday, close the debate, and then they'll come back Tuesday and vote. So we won't we won't have any kind of real answer until Tuesday. Yeah. And we'll be in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday. So it's going to be, hey, we will be in D.C. when this happens, when this yeah. this history Historic. happens. Oh, man. I should <laughs> we should try to figure out how we can... How we can Cons- broadcast how can from we the seal carry when all oh the my goodness freaking loons go nuts. I, oh, I know. I thought we should try to figure out how we can broadcast on Tuesday from in front of the uh, Senate. Court? Uh, so, There's no. probably be protests. Oh yeah, in front of the Supreme Court. Court. Yeah, we should do that. Anyway, maybe so we could do my. I've always wanted to do a man on the street kind of interview. Ooh, yeah, that'd be fun. We could do something like that by the protesters yeah. standing outside the Supreme. We got to try to make sure we get that something like that happening sure. on Tuesday. Sure. That would be way too fun. Or wait, the debate. Fun, the depressing, debates, maybe. Or the hearing was. Uh, it was pretty fun to watch. Uh, Lindsey Graham. I man. found it infuriating. I, it remi- well, it reminded me that I kept thinking of the old movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers when I would when when Lindsey Graham was going off. I was like, I "Who is this guy?" <laughs> I'm actually cheering for Lindsey Graham. I almost felt ashamed of myself. I know, right? It's just, uh, he man. was throwing down. I, I I tweeted out. I said, "When Lindsey Graham will." will chastise Dems for being uh, corrupt and, and how... And shameful. And shameful. And then turn around and say he's never seen such corruption in the Senate in his entire career. You know, when Lindsey Graham will say that, there are bad things going on yeah. in Washington, D.C. Are we to infer from that they don't have mirrors in South Carolina? <laughs> I loved his statement. I'm a single white man. Everybody knows you're not single, Lindsay. You just haven't come out of the closet yet. (laughs) I think we should play his explosion for everybody, for people who didn't actually see that. Absolutely. We should do that. So let's let's cue that up. Wanted an FBI investigation. You could have come to us. What you want to do is destroy this guy's life. Hold this seat open and hope you win in 2020. You've said that, not me. You've got nothing to apologize for. When you see Sotomayor and Kagan, tell them that Lindsay said hello, because I voted for them. I would never do to them what you've done to this guy. This is the most unethical sham since I've been in politics. And if you really wanted to know the truth, you sure as hell wouldn't have done what you've done to this guy. Are you a gang rapist? No. I cannot imagine what you and your family have gone through. You actually Boy, threw you his pen. Power. God, I hope you never get it. <laughs> I hope the American people can see through this sham. That you knew about it and you held it. You had no intention of protecting Dr. Ford. None. She's as much of a victim as you are. God, I hate to say it because these have been my friends. But let me tell you, when it comes to this, you're looking for a fair process. You came to the wrong town at the wrong time, my friend. Do you consider this a job? So that's that's Lindsey Graham. If you if you're looking for a fair process, you came to the wrong place at the wrong time, my friend. So I, I just. Uh, you know this is uh, this is crazy. 
So Lindsay continues. Let's 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 catch the the end of it because he's not done with his tirade, is nope. he? Okay, nope. here we go. Clip two. Yeah. This is hell. This 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 is going to destroy the ability of good people to come forward because of this crap. Your high school yearbook. You have interacted with professional women all your life. Not one accusation. You're supposed to be Bill Cosby when you're a junior and senior in high school. And all of a sudden, you got over it. It's been my understanding that if you drug women and rape them for two years in high school, you probably don't stop. I wonder if he's Here's talking about Ted Kennedy. <laughs> if you lived a good life, people would recognize it, like the American Bar Association has the gold standard. His integrity is absolutely unquestioned. He is the very circumspect in his personal conduct, harbors no biases or prejudices. He's you know, I'm, I'm glad Lindsey Graham is doing this because I watched the entire testimony and not even the Republicans talked, uh, other than Lindsey Graham, I cannot believe, is this Twilight Zone? I am on the air telling everybody I agree with Lindsey Graham. And I'm commending <laughs> Lindsey Graham for what he did. But let me tell you what, through that entire hearing during the Kavanaugh questioning, not one single Republican talked about his character today. They kept trying to deflect what the defendants were doing. And it took Lindsey Graham, for Pete's sakes, to say, hey, this is not about your high school days. This is about who you are now. He's like, we, we have 65 signatures mm -hmm. right here of people that have worked with you for years why is it that these 65 people that he has worked with for the last 30 years somehow get outweighed by somebody in high school yeah. while he was in high school who testified that she never actually saw the face of the person yeah. that attacked her? I don't remember. She, she says she believes it was him. Right. I don't know how I got there. I don't know how I got home. I can't remember... Uh, she said, who was there? Oh, I can't remember this. I can't remember that. Or are you 100% sure it was Kavanaugh? 100%. So I can't remember anything else, okay. but I'm 100% so sure it's him. You have training in psychology. You know that there is a psychological principle of transference. She actually may have, and I don't, I don't doubt that she had some kind of traumatic experience. It could have been in high school. But it's not uncommon for people of these traumatic victims, uh, like these traumatic victims, to place a familiar face in a situation to fill a void sure. in their memory. Well, and I mean, I don't think she's, I think it's possible she's not lying. I, I, but I, I think no she idea. does not, I, I think she's just wrong about who her assailant sure. is. It's quite possible. So that's why she seems so credible. Either that, she's just a great actor. You know, I mean, either way, because well, the, the corroborating evidence does not exist yeah, for her. that's the problem. There is no corroborating that, evidence That's for what her. John Cornyn's, in his statement, uh, that he's going to vote for Kavanaugh, and he said both witnesses were credible, but, you know, when you, you make an accusation, a person is innocent until proven guilty, and you have to have corroborating evidence to support this accusation, and there is none. And in fact, he 
Kavanaugh presented evidence to the contrary. Right. So the only person that actually presented physical evidence is Kavanaugh. And I think that, my goodness, how commendable it is, is it that the guy has kept a diary almost every single day of his life since high school? I've always wanted to be able to do that. I've never really had the motivation to do that. But here's the thing, this thing that really, really upset me. Well, not only the fact that they, that they viewed this whole thing as due process while repeating over and over again that this is not a trial, but all of these Democrats telling Kavanaugh, why don't you ask for an FBI investigation? Why don't you ask for an FBI investigation? I want to know why Kavanaugh didn't say, Senator, I sit here before you innocent until proven guilty. I do not have to call for an investigation because I don't have to prove anything. Let those who accuse me, let those who accuse me call for the investigation. They're the ones with something to prove. show Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host JC Hall welcome to all of our terrestrial stations in the Chicago area in uh, the Salem area in Florida and in in um, Illinois in Missouri and everywhere that you are welcome to the Chris Ann Hall show what a circus that was yeah it's fun and I just you know what really made me sad yesterday was thinking how many people how many people believe that this is an example of due process? You know, we were watching C-SPAN, too. You know what was crazy was, was the people who were coming on the air yeah. calling in. Yeah, that was amazing. I watched, I listened to it uh, on C-SPAN, too. And at every break, if you're familiar with C-SPAN and, and some of these shows, they have, so the host will uh, come in on, on, when the committee takes a break and then they have they have call in lines. So they have a Democrat line or Republican line and an independent line. And people, regular people will call into the show. And so what was amazing, every they took they took callers at every break. And during every break So, so they have a, a, a number for Republicans, yeah, a number, number for Democrats, and a number for independents. Correct. So they know based on what number you call who you identify with, unless yeah, you're yeah, actually I, lying or right, something. But. Sure. So the dem there were Democrats over and over every break calling and saying uh i'm a lifelong democrat i'm a democrat or you'd have independents calling on the independent number saying i used to be a democrat until today and they were all <laughs> saying i'm ashamed of my party or, i mean there were so many every break at least it had at least one caller saying i'm a democrat and i'm ashamed at my party the way they've handled these uh hearings and uh it, i i was just I was amazed, but it confirmed for me what I've been seeing and what I've been saying now for at least six months, that I'm watching the, the Democrat Party go uh, so radical, so left, so unhinged, so deranged, uh, that they are alienating 
re, uh, specifically red state Democrats. Mm-hmm. But they're alienating uh, these, you know, regular Joe Blow Democrat. Well, these were all people who sounded like they were, um, you know, our age or older. No, it, I've been a lifelong yeah, Democrat. No, listen, what I when I I listened, you you were when you were not. Uh, in there, you you had an interview or whatever. I was on Newsmax. There were with Joe Walsh. Look, there were callers. There was a caller called in from Florida. He said, uh, he said, I'm in my 60s, right? Right. And he said this. There was some female, young female called in. Mm-hmm. There was some middle aged female called in. I mean, they were they run ran the gamut. This was all over the country. It was all ages, male and female. And I'm telling you, I heard over and over again. I'm ashamed of the Dem- I'm a Democrat and I'm ashamed of the Democrat Party. Well, and I think that's I mean, like I said, that's that's what we you, we have you've been saying is going to happen yes. and we're seeing it happen. And I believe that that's why I said when I opened up the show that the Democrats have really had this backfire on them. And they are and and here's the thing, I don't know if that's not actually the goal of some of them. You know, some of them want this radicalization of the Democrat Party. That is true. And so you're not going to get the radical people elected that they want with all of this in their perspective. moderates. Yeah, the the dead baggage of the old Democrats. They want to get rid of them. They definitely... The problem is, is that these people who are Democrat moderates, those people who, who are calling into CNN and saying, I'm sick I'm, I'm sick by my party. I'm so ashamed by my party. Those are the people who are, are actually going to continue to vote. See, I think they're hoping that they'll just fall off and drift off into nothingness. But these are generations of people who have always been associated with a party. So yeah. they're going to continue to be, a, they're going to look for a party. They're going to be voters. And they're going to be so angry they're going to find another party, and they're going to be, be now voting against the Democrats in this radicalness. Well, I don't know about that entirely. Uh, I think many may just opt out, may stay home. Oh, yeah, I believe that'll happen this election, yeah. this midterm for sure. That There will be a low. As a matter of fact, I mentioned that on Joe Walsh uh, on uh, Thursday night on Newsmax TV, I said, look, I think what's going to happen is is you're going to have record low turnout at yeah, midterms see, yeah, for the Democrats. That, and that's the key to elections is turnout. And so what they're doing is dampening turnout because these people are not going to be excited about the stuff that they're embarrassed about. So that's the key. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. J.C., you said they're they're embarrassed, but the bottom line is, once again, the Democrats have failed to create a real rallying point. That's what they were trying to do here. Right, and I tell you another another point about that. 
I read this in the article we discussed about Ted Cruz. They were talking about Beto, his opponent, Beto O'Rourke, mm-hmm. uh, and the you know whether it was competitive or what have you. And one of the problems that that the writer noted, and again, this is a, this was a liberal paper, liberal writer noted that um, the Democrats were not increasing their registration, so they weren't they're not getting new voters mm-hmm. and, right and so that's another problem that they're causing so it, it's this you know these people say we're embarrassed we're ashamed and they in the in the regular you know flyover country democrats red state democrats looking at this the result is going to be those guys are going to stay home and then the other result is they're not attracting new voters if they right. say vote democrat to some new you, you know a person who's not been and particularly you know they're aiming at uh, aiming at the Hispanics and the black vote. And, and they're, and they're, they're not counting them. on the college factories pumping out their yeah. Democrats. Problem right. is that um, we were listening to another talk show the other day who was saying, well, uh, the libertarians don't have much influence in politics. And I think that that I would I would actually disagree with that comment. If you're talking about LP, like Libertarian Party, I would say they don't have much influence. But what we have today is a strengthening of this idea that government is out of control and that that libertarian aspect is is infiltrating the colleges. Now, it's not strictly libertarian, but they're they're not coming out totally radical Democrat the way the people want them to come out. They're coming out with, I want to be left alone to do whatever I want to do. Your nanny government doesn't fit me, but I want the government to tell people what I want them to do. Yeah, but here's the problem where they are radical. So you've got like Evergreen in, in Washington State in these places. So, again, back to the Democrat thing. They're alienating the voters that are on the roll. They're not picking up new voters to the voting rolls because of this. And when you talk about, you said they're they're hoping to pump out new voters from the colleges. In addition to what you said, another problem is where they've gone so radical, uh, enrollment is declining. Right. So they're alienating people across the board the more the more insane they get. And let's not forget the millennial counterculture and the new counterculture that's rising up in America that is sick of the of the loudmouths of their own yeah. generation. So, so I think this in long in the long term and broad view this is this is really not good news for the Democrats. I think it's I, I think it opens up opportunity for uh, for Americans who love liberty, but um, you know, you got to seize the opportunity because, you know, these people make adjustments, but they're not going to stop being crazy. This this segment of them. I mean, again, they think they lost the election to Hillary because they weren't radical enough. So this segment of the Democrat Party. Do you really think they believe that? They do believe. Absolutely. Oh, believe that. They're, they're bonkers. I mean, these people are complete. They are. They're completely <laughs> unhinged. Yes, absolutely. So that's why that's why reaching our college students and our high school students Absolutely. now is so very important. No, that's the thing. You have this opportunity. Th- this is what... This is a great teaching moment, it's too. A, what annoys me, like I see some people, uh, you know, getting all smug about, oh, Kavanaugh is going to get confirmed and then, and like, okay, we've got the victory and then you just you just run around and gloat. 
they're not going away just because you because right. he's on the bench. And so you have to see this as an opportunity. The problem with with conservatives, Republicans, you know, people in in on the right is, you know, we get these things like, oh, you get Trump elected and then you go to sleep like, oh, right. we won. And then they walk away. This simply opens up an opportunity. And I'm not upset in that sense when I see when I watch these radical nut jobs. I mean, I. I'm thinking, this is awesome. I love this. Please get as crazy and as stupid <laughs> as you possibly yeah, right. can so that you can alienate as many people in America as possible so that we will have an opportunity to reach them with truth and sanity. So, so on that, in that regard, uh, I'm happy about that. I celebrate yeah. that. Well, the thing that frustrates me most is what we're seeing. I mean, we're talking to people who are teaching constitutional principles all over America. Yeah. And, and regardless of who you talk to, there are two words that always come up. Trump slump. Yeah. Trump slump. Sure, sure. Because like you said, it was like, oh, and everybody sits back. No, come on. Now, this is the time to fight. Yeah. This is a time where we, we, we do that. What it, we watch football, right? So it's not enough just to simply run at the quarterback and think, oh, this is great. We're running at the quarterback. But it's you got to get, and it's time now. You lower that shoulder and just give it that last extra. Well, uh. well see, so... Is my football metaphor failing? Oh, no, I think okay. <laughs> I think it's appropriate for you're describing a political approach. And I think that's been the problem. These people look at his politics. Beat that guy, elect this guy. We have an opportunity, right? The door is open, but mm-hmm. this is the time to take a long-term foundational approach. It's not, okay, yeah. hey, we have the opportunity to get this person to vote for our guy. No, it's you have the opportunity now that, that the people are looking and saying, you know, we, we don't want that. We reject that. Well, hey, hey, guys, here's why you reject that. And you you give them, you teach them truth. You teach them the why. You teach them the foundation. This is the time that we can uh, share these Foundational presence. I think so. My metaphor did fail because I was certainly not talking about no, voting know, anybody right, into office. I, I know the that, education but part was right. what I was talking no, about. No, I agree. But yeah. I'm saying when you the problem is these political people they right. do see it. They see it like that. Yeah. It's just that one. You know, the quarterback. We got to take that one guy out. It's bigger than one guy. So we need to be like we said. Well, now, this in is your a metaphor, great the, teaching, quarter, teaching the quarterback is ignorance. I get that. Yeah. Right. But you know, these guys are tribal. And so we can't see it. I mean, even, again, I'm looking at my conservative friends, you know, and, and people on Instagram and social media, and you see, oh, it's just about these little victories. Like, yeah. hey, guys, wake no, up. This is the long term where we're really trying to do this, you know. And, JC, we have an amazing opportunity coming up in Oklahoma to reach uh, hun- uh, hundreds, and that's not even an exaggeration, hundreds of high school and college students. Yeah. Why don't you tell uh, our, our people on, uh, about what's coming up there? Well, I mean, that's the, that's the battleground, you know, we're talking about. I mean, you look at how radicalized these colleges have become. And, Oklahoma and the, City is a college town. Yeah, well, I mean, our colleges have turned into brainwashing Mm-hmm. Uh, centers. I well, mean, so have our high schools, many of them as well. They're indoctrination camps, public education, uh, education in general. And so to me, this is the battleground. And it has to be, it can't just be a popularity contest 
every couple of years between right. people. You, you have, people have to have principles upon which they make these decisions. And the reason why, you know, these politicians can go in there and just shred the Constitution and, and nobody, nobody bats an eye is because the people are ignorant of these principles. So we have to, we have to target, um, you know, high school and college. We have to target these young people to put these principles in their mind, in their spirit, get them to own them, know them, understand them, um, reverence them, protect them, pass them on. You know, that's that's where it's at. You're not going to I don't think the the battlefield is, you know, is the sort of our generation and older people stuck in their ways, locked mm-hmm. into their party, whatever. Um you know, it's so we that have group an that's awake has to turn and reach the generation before. So we and have so this opportunity. We have this opportunity to do that. And as we mentioned on the last show, you know, we don't charge. We try to sell the books and things. We're not going to be able to do that here. Um, yeah, because high school students don't buy books. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we don't. We want to continue to get, have these opportunities. And so, uh, you know, we thought we'd offer to. If, if somebody wants to help sponsor this trip and sponsor, uh, you know, trips like this in the future, we could really use your help. You go to chrisannhall.com and donate um, to support this because we you have know, plane we, we tickets, have to do it. hotels, food, yeah. rental cars. We have to do this. Yeah. And what better way to to participate than to invest into the liberty economy? Right. And, and, you know, if you, if I, the way I see it, donate, that's great, but have a mutually beneficial uh, relationship as well. You can go to the Chris Ann Hall store and, and buy books and DVDs and share them with people. All, everything that you buy is shoved back into what we do. Everything, everything that you purchase at chrisannhall.com is turned into a plane ticket, is turned into a hotel room, is turned into food and expenses that we need to be able to go and do these things. Yeah. We're not getting rich doing this. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I'm not just hocking my wares. No, we're trying to fund what we're doing. Yeah. Not, yeah. Tr- not, you know, not do this so we can make money, right? I mean, I'll, we want to make money. Not against making money, but, like, we're not going to... We're not going to say, "Oh, we want to get, we want to, we want to be wealthy, so we're going to quit doing this and go get this, you know, high, go into this high-paying field." No, we're going to do this regardless because right. it needs to be done. Right. And whether whether we, you know, get rich or not, it doesn't matter. But if you want to be a part of this, you can. That's the point. And we we are so grateful to those of you who do donate to us on a monthly basis. I, I it, we could not do what we do without you. I think the. The approach has to be strategic as I look at this battlefield. You know, the Hispanic community, the minority community, the black community, uh, the college age and younger. I mean, those are the strategic target areas to me that we have to reach. So, you know, a lot of resources have to be poured into that. And I, I'm excited about your the book that you have for young people being translated into Spanish. I mean, right. we have the, the new station down in Biscayne Key off the uh, coast there in Miami. This is the Miami area. Right. Huge community. Care in a the Chris of, Ann Hall Daily a Journal. A lot of people came from Dominican Republic to Central Florida, uh, from Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. This 
this past year. I mean, those people have to be taught these liberty principles and what uh, what the what the rule of law is in America and what it means and why it's important for them. We have to reach that community. Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. This is Chris Ann Hall. I'm with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. This is our last segment of the first hour where we have to say goodbye to those of you who are carrying only one hour of our show. Remember, those of you listening, please, you have to go to chrisannhall.com. You can go to Spotify. You can go to iTunes. You can go to Google Music Play. These are the places where you catch the entire show. This is how you carry uh, this news to the people. It's, we, we, we appreciate your donations. We need your donations. But we want you to share this truth as well. Share the radio shows. Share the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of these places where you can find our posts and share them because this is how we reach people in our communities. So, JC, in this last segment, we were talking about Kavanaugh. I want to I want to ask you a question. How do you think the Senate will vote? I I think they'll confirm Kavanaugh personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Do you think it's going to be a party split thing? Yeah, pretty much. I think that you're going to see some Democrats move to vote for for uh, uh, Kavanaugh. After this hearing, because their Democrat constituents are so angry at yeah. the way the hearing well, went. Well, J- Joe Manchin and Heidi Heitkamp, that's what I was saying. The dem- these red state Democrats, um, you know, are not behind this. They, they don't support this. And so, yeah, I, I, it's quite possible. It, but it's, it's all a matter of, and, and, and this is what, you, you know, you said about them feeling the heat. That's why that's important. It's important for the people to engage their representatives because it's all a matter of, uh, you know, how Manchin perceives that, how Heitkamp perceives that, you know. So it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, you know what I mean? Uh, So McCaskill and Murkowski, uh, Flake, you know, Flake, I that guy, you know, I don't, he is I don't a flake. Have, I don't even have any. Yeah, I don't have much hope. Didn't he say he's not running or whatever? No, he's not running again. Yeah, so I don't have a lot of hope in that guy uh, because for him, it's probably not about what the constituents say. And he's such a Trump hater, it seems. Yeah. That, you know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of up in the air on him. But I, I think overall, yeah, you could see a couple of those Democrats. Here's, the thing, here's the thing, the impact that I see with the Republican Party. If you were a Republican and you were on the fence, uh, because for me, okay, so if Chris Ann Hall was senator, I, I would not be able to confirm Kavanaugh because of his, his Fourth Amendment position because of his reliance upon precedent over the Constitution. Yeah. Now, I would, have, I would have met with him and, and you know, Talk. clarified and talked sure. these things because the Judiciary Committee didn't even touch that. So, 
standing where it is, I would have to strongly hesitate on confirming him. Mm-hmm. But after this display, I would almost feel like yeah, you, I would been boxed have in. to. Mm-hmm. I'm boxed in yep. because if I do not confirm him, it is now going to be somehow translated into a support yep. for this attack. And I would rather confirm a status quo as uh, maintainer as Kavanaugh will be. He's just Kennedy replaced. Sure. He's not going to change. He's not going to be for the worse. I don't think he's going to be for the better. But he's. He, I. There is no way that I could. Uh, I could deny his confirmation at this point, and not how somehow be associated with this Democrat nonsense. So I think that that what the Democrats have done with this display is they've they've actually solidified his confirmation. I mean, I think it was a I think it was a thing uh, for sure. That was going to happen, maybe a little questionable at the time uh, after uh, Ford testified uh, and we heard from Ford. But then Kavanaugh came on and in his testimony just simply, you know, I mean, he knocked it out of the park. I, I had actually mentioned uh, a couple days ago on Newsmax that, hey, I don't think Kavanaugh should even testify because, uh, you know, from an attorney's perspective, uh Defendants who testify are usually not helped. But in this case, Kavanaugh's testimony was so honest, it was so compelling, and you really, really felt from his heart that this was a man fighting for his life. Not only fighting for his life, but fighting for his family in the face of these accusations, which he believes in his soul are absolutely and completely false. Remember, those of you who are leaving us, we are Daily Journal Monday through Thursday. Don't miss the Daily Journal Monday through Thursday, and then we will see you every Saturday as well. God bless. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Everyone, we're so glad to have you here with us today. Chris Ann Hall here, where we are always liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. I have with me my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, and we have been talking about Brett Kavanaugh. And I want you to know um, that, uh, you know, I want to encourage everybody to go watch the Joe Walsh show on Newsmax. It's up on, uh, the whole show is up on NewsmaxTV.com from uh, September 27th, from Thursday night. And I want to encourage you to go there, NewsmacTV.com, Joe Walsh Show, September 27th. Joe Walsh had me on the show for an entire hour, and uh, I, I think we did a really, really good job handling the Kavanaugh-Ford hearings as, uh, you know, fresh as it just happened. And there was another attorney there, a, a young attorney, a defense attorney. She She did a really good job, and I was very proud of her, and I wanted to... If you go and listen, you should uh, follow her on Twitter and support her. You know what she told me? 
um, she is actually starting up her own podcast. And so she was asking me, how do you like doing the podcast? And I said, you know, we've had the radio show for six years now. And uh, I said, it's, I said, I love it. I said, I told her, I said, it's a whole lot more fun now that my husband is co-hosting with me because it's not so much fun every single day talking to yourself. Right. <laughs> it's good to have somebody back, you know, to, to, to speak with, to bounce off and, and somebody who has not always the same perspective. And yeah, I was told I shouldn't talk to myself in public. So I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But Barack Obama pra- praised to himself. That's true. That's we know true. that he, yeah. he admits he prays to himself because he thinks he's he I is don't God. Think, I think I don't. I'm not sure how many people actually read that article. Yeah, where he yeah. described that. He describes if, his if faith as how he prays yeah. to himself. I know this. That's off topic, but since you mentioned it, those are listening. If you if you if you never ran across it, so there's some sort of reporter that is evangelical or whatever interviews every president about their faith. And mm-hmm. he asked Barack Obama, I was reading this article, he asked Barack Obama about his prayer life. And Obama says, well, I don't have any, I don't have a formal prayer life where I go in my closet and shut the door or whatever. He said, uh, he says, but in fact, I have a, uh, a running conversation with God uh, throughout the day. In fact, I ask myself often, what should I do here? What should I do there? Yeah, so that was shocking when I read that. Uh, basically, he is his own God. Yeah, no, well, that probably doesn't surprise many people no, out there. No, that's that Oprah Winfrey <laughs> new, new religion. New age. Well, I yeah. it's not really new. Well, but that's but who Barack, right. No, no, new age, not new. New yeah. age. But um, the uh, th- but that's Barack, that's who he is, who he was. Because, you know, there was always the argument about Muslim, not a Muslim. He's a Muslim by heritage, right? So by culture. Yeah, exactly. If you're born into, so his father was a Muslim or what, whatever. Um, well, we assume. and uh, <laughs> We so, assume who his father was. Yeah, according to reports. So, therefore, he's a Muslim by heritage, but he wasn't right. a Muslim by faith. That Muslim by, you know, by heritage made him sympathetic. That's why right. he was a sympathizer with Muslim these these radicals, which, by the way, is why our founders demanded that the president be a natural born citizen, yeah, so but, you wouldn't have those kind right. of sympathies. To, you know, the the pulling yeah. of of yeah, yeah. loyalties. But by faith, Barack Obama was a New Age occultist. That's yeah. who he was. Which, yeah. which you know, you can. Uh, there's a Christian version of that, right? That's Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey's not. There's right. a Christian She's, version well, of I mean, New Age occultism. You look at occultism? Oprah Winfrey. I mean, what I'm saying is, these people claim to be Christian. Uh. Right, so he goes to a Christian, a so-called Christian church with Jeremiah Wright, even though we know that's not. But I mean, they're in by name, right? So that's right. how they're. So able they're not to running around saying we don't worship God, we worship Ghana. They're yeah. actually saying we worship God, but we yeah, also but he, believe but, we are little gods yeah, too. So, so then we have the power. But if you're Barack Obama, I have the power. You read the article, and the guy asked him about his conversion experience, and he says. You know, well, I didn't have any sort of come to Jesus movement. I came forward, and my coming forward was to acknowledge the uh, the um, something about his community. Role, yeah, acknowledge the role of the black church in the community. Right. So mm-hmm. that's that's what it means for him to be a Christian is acknowledge the Religion. role of the black. Community. No, it's community organizing. Yeah. That, that's Christianity. <laughs> that's to his him. religion. So community when, organizing. So when people said he's not a Christian, that's what they're talking about. Because you're not. Mm-hmm. If that's how you describe uh, being your conversion experience, and then you describe your prayer life as talking to yourself 
and asking yourself for advice. That's not Christianity. So, no, he is not a Christian. He was not a Christian. But people were saying, oh, he's a Christian. He goes to this church. He goes to this whatever with Jeremiah Wright. Um, that's, not the, the, that's like saying, you know, if I go sleep in my garage, I'm a car. So right. <laughs> where where you attend and not whatever that's where not the basis that's not the basis of your faith right. right listen to the person and so when he defined his faith he defined it himself so listen to his own words and so by his own words no he's not a christian he's a muslim by heritage and a new age occultist so he is his own god I don't I'm not going to spend the whole show on Kavanaugh but it just occurred to me that there was something really important that I wanted to talk about with you about Kavanaugh, okay? okay. I want a man's perspective in Uh-oh. all of this. I, I was talking to Kate Daly on her show the other day, and it occurred to me when, when all of this was happening, everybody talks about misogyny, misogyny, misogyny. But I had no idea. My thought was, what's the opposite of misogyny? Do we actually have a word for hating men? And the fact that I didn't even know commonly what the word, there actually is a word. Is there? Yeah, there actually is a word. Feminism? S- no, yeah, that's what I thought. It's no, it's, it's not. I'll have, to, I'll have to look it up and, and let everybody know. But there actually is a word that, that means the uh, unsubstantiated hate of men. So that's what misogyny means, the unsubstantiated it's called Democrat, men. Democrat, being yeah. a Democrat. <laughs> right. So here's my question. After watching this utter crucifixion of Kavanaugh and the, I mean, seriously, when you watch this hearing, his mother was a wreck. His sister was just distraught. His wife looked like she'd been run through the ringer. And he talks about how his girls, his little girls know what's going on Uh and how they were praying for Mrs. Ford in their evening prayers. Um, I want I want to know from a man's perspective is this now going to create a chilling effect for men to want to go into politics if they see that that now this is how you're going to be treated if you don't toe the party line cuz this was not really an attack on Kavanaugh right this was an attack on Trump mm-hmm. And it's an attack on Trump because Trump doesn't toe the party line. They don't want any more people like Trump who are not establishment one side or the other. So I just want to ask you, do you really think that this will make decent people think twice about running for government? Yeah, I don't see how it couldn't. I mean, undoubtedly, there's no question that some people are going to be affected in in that way. But, you know... you're gonna say it, it's gonna need. You're gonna need to be a person of impeccable uh, integrity and character and courage, right? Because it because it doesn't. That's the way. Like, we have a courage problem in America. Yeah, because your so. your character and integrity won't matter. What I'm saying is, you, you know, you don't you don't want to give them ammunition. But the point is, it won't matter. You could be as pure as the as you know pure as snow, um, and still they're gonna. They'll make something up. I mean, look at Gloria Allridge has a business. I mean, she makes her living concocting accusations and, you know, hiring people, hiring women to to be victims. So, you know, that strategy is out there. Um, you, you have to know that going in. I think people already knew sort of, you know, politics is dirty. You know, that's understood. But these guys have taken it to... Uh, a new level. And so, yeah, I, I think that could 
that could scare a lot of people off. Okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's what I was trying to get at. And I'm wondering, do you think that that's probably an underlying purpose of all of this? We want to we want to see. I think for the first time, these these establishments are feeling threatened because not just because of Trump, because Trump has encouraged people all over America to run for office, and for the first time, they see their gravy train. Uh, going I- into uh, in you know into jeopardy. You know, I could be wrong, and I know people think that way. I don't find this movement to be that cerebral. Okay, I understand there's all these sort of people look for kind of conspiracies and this, and I know there are plenty of conspiracies, but I really think that that the majority of these folks are motivated by absolute irrational blind hatred. There's something broken in the psyche of these folks. You spend your entire education, you know, educational life mm-hmm. in this prison camp, in this torture chamber of 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 immoral propaganda and and these people come out broken. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's it's this calculated hmm if we act like this and we do this and we target so and so then uh, then in the future we won't get candidates like that i don't think there is that thought out thought process for the majority now are there a small group of individuals who are thinking like this and who are tapping into the deranged and the useful idiots for that purpose yes that's possible but I don't think what you des- what you describe. So I'm giving them too much credit. Yes, I don't think what you <laughs> describe uh, is is a majority of these people or the average, you know, deranged, looney tune, lefty Democrat. I think they're just nuts. What you see is what you get. It's not rational. See, we're rational people, so we try to apply. Uh, rational thought. <laughs> it's like anthropomorphizing yeah. clouds you, or something. You You're a human. You want to see faces in things. You, you so. <laughs> cannot. You cannot analyze these folks uh, in the framework of of normal behavior. They're not normal. They're like Trevor Loudon says. These are crazed Marxist revolutionaries trying to absolutely destroy the American way of life. Anything that we have traditionally seen as normal as right. Uh, as as tradition, they want to overturn it. They want to dis- absolutely destroy. So you have a combination of these lunatics and I think what you're describing, a small group of people who try to tap into the useful idiots and manipulate it and guide it. But the average person we see in this, they're just crazy. So... Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host J.C. Hall. So the oppos- opposite of misogyny is misandry. 
Okay. Or misandry. I don't know how, how it's pronounced. Misandry or misandry. And it is the hatred of, contempt uh, for, or prejudice against men or boys. So you can be misogynist or misandrous. Okay. <laughs> Just your little educational benefit for Thank the you. day. I will not be using that $10 word. <laughs> yeah, $10 word. So I want to talk about this this thing that's happening in Congress from a constitutional perspective. And so... Pulling us out of Yemen. Pulling us out of Yemen. So we have 23 members of Congress who have put forward a resolution to stop troops from assisting in unauthorized hostilities. Mm -hmm. So uh, the question becomes, what does unauthorized mean? And... What, what, what does that mean to stop assisting? Are they wanting to actually remove armed forces from Yemen? Or, or what, did it, what is it? So the resolution actually directs President Trump to, quote, remove United States armed forces from hostilities in the Republic of Yemen that have not been authorized by Congress. Uh-huh. Now, for, for anybody who studies the Constitution... That should be a no-brainer, right? right? Okay, first number one, uh, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11, delegates to Congress, we know it's Congress because it's Article 1, the power to declare war. That power is not delegated to the President of the United States. Donald Trump cannot declare war. Donald Trump cannot start fighting anywhere on the planet unless, constitutionally speaking, right? constitutionally speaking, unless there is a declaration of war. Now, Article 2, Section 2, Clause 1 of the Constitution puts the president in charge of uh, being commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy of the United States when called into the actual service of the, and of the militia of the several states when called into actual service of the United States. Now, what we have to understand is that being called into service is the declaration of war by Congress. Some people try to say that that clause, uh, when called into actual service of the United States, is only applying to the militia. But that's not true because of the grammar in that sentence. It does not say, and the militia of the several states when called into the actual service of the United States. There is a comma, and I know this sounds crazy, but this is important. There is a comma after the word states, which now makes the antecedent of that last clause both the Army, Navy, and the militia. So he is only the commander-in-chief of the Army and the Navy, uh, which would include the Marines and the Air Force, uh, and the militia of the several states when called into actual service. What does that mean, called into actual service? When there is a formal declaration of war. So what messes all of this up? Well, what messes all of this up is the War Powers Resolution, which, once again, Congress has unconstitutionally delegated a power that was reserved to them to the President of the United States. So that's important for us to understand. So we have Congress has abdicated an authority that the Constitution delegates to them alone, ignoring the reasons why, 
it was delegated to them. And just in, in short, our founders all agreed that the executive branch was always, throughout history, prone to war. So they didn't want the president to have the sole power of warring because then he would be like a king and go around and start conquering. So it had to be left in the hands of the House and the Senate so that the states and the people could actually be in charge of whether they go to war or not. So through the War Powers Act, Congress has uh, thrust this unconstitutional authority into the hands of the president. And we know because it's unconstitutional, it's unlawful, which means technically it's not even valid. But what do you do about that now? So we have this 23 members of Congress, which is not a lot of people, but nonetheless, putting forward this House Congressional Resolution directing the president pursuant to 5C of the War Powers Resolution to remove United States armed forces from hostilities in the Republic of Yemen that have not been authorized by Congress. Now, when we come back after the break, I want to talk about this, about the solutions and how this is really supposed to be working. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here. K R I S A N N E H A L L dot com. And I am with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, just one more time so I can remind you, Monday through Thursday, we have the Daily Journal. You don't want to miss this. You don't want to have to be left where your only report of current events comes from, from one of the corporate medias. Don't do that. Just plug us in. It's 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes uh, on Spotify, iTunes, Google Music Play, chrisannhall.com. Just 30 minutes a day. The most important current events from a real principled and constitutional perspective. You know, if you uh, register now for free at chrisannhall.com, you can receive those emails uh, that will bring the Daily Journal to your mailbox every single day. So, JC, tell them how they can get our free, uh, our, our uh, ebook In Defense of Liberty, for free and be registered at the same time to receive the radio shows. Text Liberty First to 444-999. Liberty First, one word, no space. 444-999. So if you do that, you will get our ebook In Defense of Liberty, for free and you will be automatically registered to get the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal and the Chris Ann Hall Show into your mailbox. Yeah, it'll send you a text asking you for your email, so it'll know where to send it, but yeah. it's just that easy. All right, awesome. 444-999, Liberty First, no space, bada-bing, bada-boom, all done. So I want to talk about today about this congressional resolution being put forth by 23 congressmen to... Um, uh, and what they say to, quote, remove United States armed forces from hostilities in the Republic of Yemen uh, that have not been authorized by Congress. Now, there are 23 members of Congress who have signed on to this concurrent resolution. Now, the problem that we have 
in America right now is this unconstitutional operation of the U.S. military. So what we have is Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 of the Constitution actually delegates to the federal government, uh, to Congress, not just the federal government, to Congress alone, the authorization to declare war. Now, this authorization to declare war is, is Congress's authority, not the president's. Under Article 2, Section 2, Clause 1, the president's authority is to be the commander-in-chief. And he is only to be the commander-in-chief when there has been a formal declaration of war. And we know that because that's what the Constitution says. Uh, the, commander in, the president shall be the commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy of the United States and of the military of the several states when called into the actual service of the United States. So that last clause refers to all the branches. They must be called into service by Congress, and that is the only time the president is the commander-in-chief. And so now what we have are these 23 congressmen filing for a joint resolution to end our, hostili our, our participation in the hostilities uh, in Yemen. And so we have to recognize, first and foremost, constitutionally speaking, there's been no declaration of war, so our, our activity there is unconstitutional. Right. But from a, from a perspective of foreign relations, because you're my foreign relation, relations guy, should we even be there? Well, this is, uh, the, the conflict in Yemen is, you know, part of Barack Obama's legacy of the Arab Spring. Remember that, you know, that was supposed to be this great thing and uh, democracy in the Middle East and it's a new day. And so we sort of back this this Arab Spring uh, uprising, which opened opened up chaos uh, and, and allowed, you know, bad actors to, to come in and, and do all this. So in, in Yemen, you basically, like a lot of the countries over there, have some authoritative, authoritative dictator, dictator, authoritarian dictator and... Um, these uh, the rebel these rebels, Houthi rebels and some of the Shia Muslims rise up and chase this guy out of town, and in all in the in the as it went on then the Saudis and here's the problem the Saudis look and being Sunni and backed by the Sunnis perceive this Shia enclave rising so we got to get in here and do something about this now the, and the thing with the Saudis and you know your your assistant can can speak to this in great detail, having lived in Saudi Arabia and worked in there. Um, there's no, there's really no moral compass as far as conducting these operations. And that's the problem that I think these guys are, are that spark this resolution, really not the constitutional thing, mm -hmm. but looking at the Saudis, I mean, they're, they've got no restraint. You know, they're, they'll carpet bomb and bomb everybody and bomb funerals and bomb supermarkets and daycares. And who, who cares? They, they don't even see the, the Shias and the Sunnis. They don't even see one another, I think, as human beings. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they want to destroy each other, eradicate each other. Uh, they don't want to have, I mean, you, you know, it's obviously not all of them, but that's the heart of the conflict. And so it's just a mess. And then you, you open this up and then Iran starts backing uh backing forces to go in there, you know, and it becomes this um, 
Seriously, how do you pick a side in this? Yeah, you don't. How do you know who's the good guy, who's the bad guy? Yeah, you don't, which is why, so then some would say we don't need to be there at all. Uh, so that's the problem. I mean, it's, uh, why it's a are mess. we involved in other people's wars like this? Well, I guess maybe this is what the resolution is. So the resolution under Section One says Congress has the sole power to declare war under Article One, Section Eight of the Constitution. You have to know that sort of made me happy. Um, it also says in Section Two, Congress has not declared war with the respect to or provided any specific statutory authorization for. United States military participation in the conflict between military forces led by Saudi Arabia and the United States Emirates against the Houthi in the Republic of Yemen. And the United States has not designated Yemen's Houthi under any authorization for use of military force, despite the members of the United States Armed Forces having provided intelligence, sharing, and mid-flight aerial refueling for the Saudi-led coalition warplanes conducting airstrikes against the Houthi since March 2015. So that's what you're talking about, uh, Barack Obama and all this stuff. We're doing all of this st stuff, and these 23 congressmen are saying, look, you're doing this, and we've never provided any authorization whatsoever. Yep. It, it goes on under Section 3 to say, President Obama reported to Congress on October 14, 2016, consistent with the reporting requirements of the War Powers Resolution, that the Houthi attacked United States ships operating in international waters on October 9th and on October 12th, 2016, and the United States responded to threats against the United States vessel personnel and freedom of navigation with airstrikes against three radar facility in Houthi-controlled territory. And then it goes on to explain about the War Powers Resolution and how it is now time, pursuant to the War Powers Resolution, Congress hereby directs the president to remove the United States armed forces from hostilities in the Republic of Yemen, except United States armed forces engaged in, oper in operations authorized under the 2001 authorization for use of military force. And it gives them 30 days after the date of the adoption of this concurrent resolution, unless and until the declaration of war or specific authorization for use of the United States armed forces has entered into law. So I want to know, we, we now have 23 House, uh, uh, 23 House members uh, who is led by uh, Congressman Kana to, to make this happen. How, how, how do we not have other congressmen on board? I, I, I don't know. I mean, is it because of, of it's who? the war on terror. Is it because Kana is uh, in, from California? Uh, is it because Kana is uh, not a, a big name? Is it because Kana is a Democrat? You know, I, I just, this seems to be, and here's the thing. If the Republicans are the party of the Constitution, if the Republicans are really the party of the Constitution and following the Constitution, why aren't the Republicans putting forward a resolution that says, hey, we've never filed a declaration of war here. This is an unconstitutional uh, operation of war. Let's get out now. How, how is that 
something, and is that, I'm sure that's like a rhetorical question, but I really want to know. And I want to know why the American people are not understanding. See, this is not about, uh, you know, for me, it's clearly just constitutional. Yeah. Well, it's another proxy war. Um, I mean, that's what the Middle East is all about these days. This is a proxy war between Iran and Saudi Arabia. It's another Sunni-Shia conflict. And, I mean, we're just constantly pouring treasure and blood into these conflicts between Shia and Sunni, trying to, ostensibly trying to maintain some balance of power and stop uh, power from going to Iran. I mean, that's really at the heart of all of these conflicts. It's, you know, Iran and its supporters and allies like Russia, uh, North Korea, versus Saudi Arabia and U- U.S. allies and partners. I mean, that, so that's the thing. It's a continual proxy war. The human death toll, you know, civilian death toll uh, from bombings and disease and, you know, it, it's just staggering. It's really staggering. So here's the thing. This is the tribalism, right? So I, I truly believe that the uh, Congress, uh, the Republicans in Congress won't sign on board with this because of, uh, because of tribalism, because this is a Democrat-pushed thing, and it, it, they, can't, they can't do it. You know, we, we saw that before. Well, how can I support that when when uh you know this guy is supporting that well this the the you know the war on terror and the sort of warmongering stance is is strong in the is a strong platform in the republican party and you know they're they're going to continually make the argument about not allowing iran to be the dominant actor in the middle east that's Mm -hmm. that's how they pitch it and so that's not going to go away and you know, maybe they'll support how the thing is conducted to fix that, but to stop it, no way. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show, our final segment of the show. These are the reasons why we really, really need to be involved in educating people. You know, uh, Thomas Paine has a very famous quote about war and taxes, and I don't have the entire quote. Uh, We don't I don't have the entire court quote memorized, but the crux of the matter is we, we have a situation where Thomas Paine says in the crisis that wars are not, or that taxes are not raised to carry on wars, but that wars are raised to carry on taxes. We, we should know this to be true. In light of this new omnibus mess that is coming forward uh, as we approach this new budget crisis, where over 60% of the budget 
is to fund military defense contractors for things like this Yemen thing that are simply not under uh, constitutional authority. So what we have now is massive government growth, massive government spending, massive taxation, unlawful taxation on the people to carry out wars. Well, who exactly is involved, who, who gets rich off these wars? I want you to realize this. So we're paying the defense contractors who have huge lobbyists who are now uh, funding the political parties. This money goes completely circular. Why does Congress spend on the, uh, why does Congress spend on the defense contractors? Why do they spend on war so much? Why? Because this comes back to them. This is how you go into Congress as a average Joe and you come out a millionaire, sometimes a billionaire, with houses and, and cars and, and living the aristocracy kind of lifestyle. So I found Thomas Paine's quote. He says, in reviewing the history of the English government, its wars and its taxes, a bystander, and this is key, this is the key part, this is why I wanted you to hear the entire thing. Bystanders, not blinded by prejudice nor warped by interest. Is that not just a shout out into politics? Would declare that taxes were not raised to carry on wars, but that wars were raised to carry on taxes. Why do we have such a huge national debt? Why, are the, why is the federal government spending so much money? Because we are in a constitutional crisis. A constitutional crisis where we have a federal government that is operating continually unconstitutionally. Not just here in America, but everywhere around the world. And I want us to think about that. Because we complain about the IRS, we complain about the EPA, we complain about the Bureau of Land Management, we complain about the welfare state, we complain about the EPA, the FDA, and the USDA. But look at the budget. The majority of the money that is being spent is being spent unconstitutionally but it's being spent unconstitutionally in the majority in other countries. Being involved in stuff. Hey, look, if, if we have to defend people, we have to help people from oppression, we have to do these things, you know, what would you, would just have Hitler take over Europe? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if it's important enough for the taxpayers of America to be involved in it, if it's important enough for us to deploy troops and put human lives in danger, if it's that important, then our Congress ought to be declaring war and stating that. That's their purpose. No fighting overseas unless the people, through their congressmen, the states, through their senator, actually approve this. We have got to stop this. This is ridiculous. And if we're going to be truthfully constitutional, 
We've got to be constitutional all the way. God bless you guys. We'll see you on Monday. Let me know.